good morning or good afternoon or wherever whatever part of the the big ball of dirt that you're on this morning's dharma talk is titled see the lie see the lies in order to see the lies you have to look at what you think is the truth what you just something shows up and you just assume it's the truth no investigation at all you need to see what is showing up to see if it's true or not and there's a couple kinds of truth there's relative truth which is the polarities right and wrong up and down back and forth life and death all those polarities you have to see those you have to see yourself this is a do-it-yourself this is a transcendental do-it-yourself project started 2500 years ago by the buddha if you're a true student of the buddha you don't believe anything you don't disbelieve anything and you certainly don't ignore anything if you can help it and sometimes you can't help but do one of those three sometimes all the time so it's about seeing that not about getting away getting rid of it getting stopping something stopping negative thoughts please don't bother to do that so a pretty biased over here i feel i see i think i understand that the only way you or i am going to be able to see the truth is to look at the lies look at the lies and the lies are that you are a solid separate being from everyone else this is untrue but don't believe anything I say. You can consider it. But it's untrue. You have to see it that you are not a separate being. Nor are you all one with everything. That's the other polarity that sometimes is uh, deceiving. You can't do this with the intellect without the sitting practice of meditation. And as again, I said, I'm very biased here, having spent about half of my life, well, more than half, close to 50 years studying this particular path studying this particular mind stream, this particular mind stream. This particular mind stream is not an individual. It is individualized because of the attachment to the body, because of the, the attachment to the mind, the attachment to thinking, the attachment to feeling. Have your feelings and have your thoughts, but don't necessarily give them a stamp of approval. Every time they arise, just because it's my feeling, doesn't make it true. It's a lie. You don't believe this. I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm saying you could consider it. If you're sitting here, you're ready to hear this. These our guests today might walk away and say, Oh, that was interesting, or that wasn't interesting. <laughs> Whatever they might say. Uh, but you might just consider that. Find out the truth. Don't get your truth from anyone. Don't get your truth from the Buddha. Don't get your truth from this old man. Don't get your truth from anyone but your own mind stream. You may have to have help. I certainly had to help have uh, a Tibetan uh, Vajra master and uh, a Japanese Zen master in order to help me with my own ignorance, my own tendency to believe my thought patterns and think that I was having this emotion or that thought. So the idea here, simply put, Sit down, hold still, sit in a symmetrical posture. All the senses are on receive and are open and just receive what shows up. Whatever shows, if you do that, whatever shows up in your mind stream, 
is what you need to see in order to transcend this world. And when you see that, when you see what shows up in the mind stream, don't do anything with it. You see, you're sitting and you notice some kind of negativity, worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, uh, or just some kind of uh, uh, something that shows up that is intense negativity with no reference. Sometimes if that happens over and over, we call it depression just or anxiety. What's going to happen next? I don't know. What should I do about it? And what do we do? Generally, what we do all over the place, because no one is willing to look deeply into the nature, into the source, which you can't find, by the way. But you have to look at it. If you don't look at it, then you won't realize it's sourceless. All dharmas are without blame. There's no one that is to blame for anything. No one gets credit either. If we don't do that, and we opt for some other way, then it's usually some kind of a cover-up, which I gave a talk a few weeks ago on cover-ups and how, to, how we cover up. We cover it up with medication. You can cover it up with meditation. If it's not a meditation that is uh, on receive, it's a, if it's a meditation that's on produce, produce a good state of mind. Be a good meditator. Be really clear. Be really peaceful. If you're looking for peace and you have some, some kind of demand to be peaceful, uh, this kind of meditation is not going to help you there. Because this style of meditation is going to take you right into the labyrinth we call your karma. What gave you this shape of ear? What gave you this eye color? What gave you this skin color? What gave you this uh, sexual orientation? That's dependently arisen. That means it, it, that you cannot find the first cause for anything. If you find the first cause, and you think it's the first cause, that's a lie. It's relatively true. Relative truth is always true. Fire is hot. Wind moves. Earth is hard. Uh, metal is shiny. What else do we have? Hmm? Water is wet. Water is not wet. <laughs> water gets things wet, but water itself is dry as a bone. Don't believe anything I say. You can consider it. Kevin, don't look at me that way. <laughs> Shaking his finger at me. <laughs> now he's got both fingers. <laughs> uh, it's time to blow my nose. So it seems to take a form or a discipline so that you can actually sit down. You don't have to become a Buddhist necessarily, but sit down, hold still, and watch what happens in the mind stream without agreeing, without objecting, without gra grasping, without shutting down, without, 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 without. And that is called a practice because you have to watch yourself shut down, disagree, ignore the, the situation over and over and over again before over time, that disagreement, that grasping, that rejection, that passion, aggression, and ignorance starts to lose its um, force, lose its uh, lose its uh, viability because you are no longer fueling it with your objection, your agreement, or your ignorance. That's how you feel, fuel, excuse me. That's how you fuel the insanity of the mind. If you look around the world, there's relative sanity somewhere in some ways, but the, the relative insanity is rampant. It's everywhere. And you cannot solve that. I'm not saying you can't carry a picket sign or or a protest, or you can do all of that you want, and you probably should. But if you 
do that without first seeing the aggression that is buried in your mind stream, in your heart stream, in your life stream, that aggression will get projected out on others and you'll think the, the aggression uh, that you're actually experiencing is there when actually the aggression is here. As Kabir said a couple of centuries ago, the poet said, if you have in your heart a loaded gun, how can you have God? Unload that gun. First find the gun. First find the aggression in yourself. And then just by, you don't have to unload it. All you have to do is see it, witness it, not, not make more aggression to try to get rid of it, not ignore it, and not come up with a, kind, a bunch of excuses about why you got have it or how you were treated when you were four. Not that that isn't relatively true. What happened when you were four years old is relatively true. But if you get hooked into that, that circularity of right and wrong, up and down, taking everything to court, if you do that, you just perpetuate the myth. That you perpetuate the myth of some kind of solid reality of right and wrong. Sacred and profane are not separate. They just look like it. You have to see that. Otherwise, you'll be sucked into one and pushed away from the other. It has to happen with your, your awareness, your body-mind complex, a human being as a human. You have to see it yourself. Very difficult to do on your own, completely on, on your own, without spiritual guidance from someone who has been doing this for a while. This doesn't mean everyone who's been doing this for a while automatically gets credibility. You listen to someone talk for a while, listen to someone or read a book or join a community, or you'll know pretty quickly whether this, is a, this has some authenticity to it or not. If anyone is trying to control you or tell you what to do, red flags should go up. No one, no one should really take your authority away from you, your innate authority, based on what they want you to do. That doesn't mean that you may not, you may not need to give your authority to someone, to a, a, a teacher, a teaching, and a community in order to help you see the truth. You might need to do that. So seeing a lie seeing that what you thought was true like an emotion you're having it just automatically gets a, a credential i'm having the emotion we even say it to ourselves why am i feeling this way why am I, the very statement why am i feeling this way it's a why question all why questions are circular you, you're always going to get a because and it may be relatively accurate why am i feeling this way because 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 i uh, caught a bug and I'm, uh, I have the flu or something, or because this person was mean to me or mistreated me or disrespected me. There's always a why and a because. But if you get trapped in that, this is called relative truth. This is the mundane path of fixing things and getting better. The spiritual path is not about fixing anything. Because if you see reality from the spiritual point of view, everything is perfect. There's nothing to fix. This is not an opinion I'm having. I'm looking at it. I teach out of what I see. I see it everywhere constantly and have for quite a number of years now. I didn't when I began, but I do now. My teacher, uh, Kobanchina Roshi, said, get your own authority. And what you discover is there really isn't any authority. There's no singularity called someone who is the authority. You get, your, you get what you need to know from what arises in front of you. It's very situational. 
I don't plan much. And the way I like to describe a plan is a plan is something that does not work or something that you have to change. Doesn't mean you shouldn't plan, of course, somewhat, but don't hang your hat on that. Don't, don't necessarily fixate on the plan or make a demand. No demands. If you're making demands, you're creating more chaos for yourself and for those around you. Don't do it. That may involve looking at your the demanding aspect of the ego, the self-centeredness, the narcissism, that, and look at the demand. When I say don't demand, I know you may not be able to stop that, but you could look at that for a while and see how it's getting its fuel. It's getting its fuel from feeling like that creates some kind of relative safety for our identity. So by watching what is moving in your as a meditator or in your life stream in your interacting with others, if there's no mind training at all, it's unlikely that you can see this because the tendency of the ego, which is uh, completely fueled by and, and is given nutrition by the intellect, the thinking process, the thinking process is valuable, we need it, but it should not be driving the vehicle, your awareness, should, you should lead with your awareness which is difficult because ego does not want to lead with the, air, with the awareness. It's too risky. What if I say something wrong? What if somebody doesn't like what I say? Or what if I may make, make a mistake? I need to think this out. I need to figure this out. You're, we're constantly figuring. It's not that it's wrong. Quite often it's relatively substantiated by all kinds of things. So that's why I say uh, over and over again, you, you may not be ready for this. If you're not, don't do it. Don't do this. Don't practice meditation. Everybody's not ready to do this. This is a very, very difficult path. And when we slowly have to uh, allow the thinking process to take a backseat to the awareness, which is just receiving, receiving. Awareness receives. Awareness receives colors, shapes, sounds, smells, tastes, touch, thoughts. Very simply, extremely generous with giving its attention to everything. It gives its attention to everything. It doesn't miss anything. When I say it doesn't miss, of course, it can't see everything. But anything that is showing up in the mind stream, in the life stream, that is important will come up, obviously. Whereas if there's a strong thinking barricade in front of your mind so you don't screw anything up, so you're protected, so your friends and your, and your enemies uh, like you, respect you, or however you want to say it trying to control how everyone else feels. We even sometimes we even hear ourselves say, well, I don't want you to think that I think that what you're thinking about what I'm thinking is what I'm thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> so is it working? <laughs> so what were you thinking about? Yes. You get smart with me. <laughs> So it's a it's a very complicated and it's very simple. Sit down, sit, find some time, break out some time in your life. Sit down, look at, sit in front of a wall and and have the sense the the, the visual consciousness has to be open. If you close your eyes, you create a state of simplicity that is artificial, a state of calmness that is uh, won't last, and you create uh, a feeling of whatever you know, softness, kindness. Uh, but if you open your eyes, because the eye consciousness is resonates with all the other sense fields, and, including the thought patterns, you open those eyes, and this is the consciousness that makes everything look like it's out there. 
All the other consciousnesses, if you haven't noticed, are very intimate. Thinking is, can't be more intimate. You can't see someone thinking. Well, you can't, but I can. You can't, your hearing is, even though it's out there, there's still a, an intimacy to it, the intimacy to obviously to taste and touch and to smell. So you open the eyes, no longer are you going to be able to make a hideout in your consciousness. You are going to relate to the physical world of this world. Passion, aggression, ignorance. Right and wrong, up and down. It's just everywhere. Just watch CNN for 10 minutes and you get a good dose of what's happening. As far as the warfare, there's the good, good guys and the bad guys. Big misunderstanding in both directions. So, end the war here, rather than trying to go out into the world and fight out there. Not that you shouldn't do some of that, but you should also be looking at the aggression in your, in yeah. deep in your heart. As I gave a talk, uh, a friend, uh, the ego, make peace with this kind of aggression. At least be in the process of doing that as you're going out into the world to be a, what a social worker. A psychologist, a politician, a grave digger. Sorry about that. Anything. See this first, and you don't have to heal it. You don't have to stop it. You don't. You have to see that it is unreal. It is dependently arisen. This, uh, this is not something I invented. This is a teaching of the Buddha twenty five hundred years ago. Said that everything is dependently arisen. No, no singularity comes as its own basic identity or individuality. It's intimately dependent on everything else for its singularity. But that's, we don't see that. All we see is me, myself, my ideas, my hopes, my fears, my opinions are all shoring up that aspect of the consciousness we call the ego. Is it wrong? No. Live your life. Do what you want to do. Maybe this is your lifetime to to do this or that and not train your mind. And there's no, there's no sales pitch here. I am pre presenting this with your permission. If there weren't people sitting here, I would not be out advertising how wonderful I am and how much I know about. Shabbat, I have a few questions. Um, how does the labyrinth of our karma show up as we go further along the path of meditation? It shows up as uh, um, a solid, definite, with strong parameters and strong form and unreal. The aggression that started, that was showing up in this old man when he was a very, very young man has not gone anywhere. I've not gotten rid of anything. I think I've said that many times in many talks. If you're trying to get rid of your negative feelings, there's all kinds of people that help you do that. And the other thing I would say, maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you shouldn't be doing, maybe your life is not ready for this kind of rigor, this kind of um, dedication to the spiritual path. So I'm not here to promote anything. If somebody comes this way and wants to be a monk or wants to be a student of mine, I don't uh, automatically accept them as that. Push them back. Go look at it somewhere. I want you to do this for the hell of it. More? 
Shokobang, how does a teacher help us when we need to see this for ourselves? The teacher will hit you. <laughs> well, in a sense, because if you bring your insanity, your craziness to the teacher, I'm not saying they're going to physically hit you, I and mean, it's possible. Some of the teachings show up that way, like Tilopa, uh, Naropa, uh, Tibetan, Indian and Tibetan situation where they were, after following a Tilopa around for, and I might have the names wrong, so anyone, any of you scholars out there who want to correct me, go ahead. But the teacher uh, was trying to teach the, the student for 12 years and just got exasperated because he just kept spinning in circles and spinning in circles. So he, uh, he took off a sandal and batted him one. And he awoke. Or that, so the story goes. Maybe that never happened. Maybe that's just a teaching device. The teacher uh, mirrors back to you who you are. If you, if it's, it's not the conventional idea of uh, of a mirror. It's more like uh, you you, uh, you look at the teacher and you don't see anything but yourself. Because the teacher is no longer a solid being. They never were. You never were. No one ever was. But very few people realize that. Most people go on believing their thoughts, trying to accomplish things, things fighting with their neighbors, agreeing with their uh, mother-in-law. Well, that's probably unusual. <laughs> I mean, they go on dealing with whatever karma shows up. They believe that their karma is true and they live it. And should they? They should. But if they stumble into this path, which I did when I was uh, in my early 30s and met a, my uh, teacher, Shogim Trungpa, that all that chaos began to go the other direction more. Shokabang, earlier you, you talked about the individualized stream, the mind stream. Yes. What happens to that individualized stream when we see that there's no self? Uh, to use those same terms, uh, it doesn't do much of anything, except there's no longer any grasping, rejecting, or shutting down. And if there is grasping, rejecting, or passion, aggression, and ignorance, and shutting down, uh, it's untrue, and it's seen immediately. So it may show up. The particular karma that you bring to this path is probably going to be very difficult, probably never going to be able to do this. <laughs> I take that back. I think you can. You can do it. But, it, but the way it shows up for each person is difficult. Your karma will not go away. Your negativity is not going to disappear. Not on this, on this way of looking at the spiritual path. Maybe other ways. Analysts differently. You don't have to get rid of anything. You just have to see that what this is is not separate from anything. You're not separate from the worst terrible, horrible person that's ever lived, and the most wonderful saintly being who's ever lived, just to use that. You're not separate from them. You're also not the same as they are. But the no separation has to be seen with your heart. It can't be seen just with your intellect. It has to be seen. It's not, it's not your physical heart. It's, your, it's that which, when you pass away, when your phys physical body leaves, it's not going anywhere. It's your true nature, your true identity. You're not going anywhere. You can't. Because it's not come into existence. That which, that which, that which does not come into existence cannot pass out of existence. More? Sure, Brian, you to say two more. Um, how can we work with the lie of stability? 
you mean trying to become stable, uh, thinking that we can be, get some kind of stability? Yeah, the, the way that our mind kind of stabilizes where we don't even... The, the, the stability is a relative term, stable, unstable. So, and the ego uses that to keep its, uh, uh, keep its investment in somebody going somewhere, somebody doing well, somebody getting ahead, somebody having, having power, having fame, having money, having respect. That which is stable uh, is, is actually watching that which is unstable and looking for stability. Well, Shogabang, earlier you talked about um, our karma showing up as more definite uh, as we go along the path. How does that sense of stability um, that's about being a living being become more crisp and more definite as well? Paraphrase yourself. What happens to that sense of protecting ourselves as we continue along. It seemed to be, it, seemed, it didn't go away, but it seemed to be unreal. So therefore it's, uh, I wouldn't say you're gonna uh, crack up and, and giggle for the next three or four decades, but you see that it's unreal. And you see other people believe their thoughts and they're torturing themselves and making themselves miserable. And you, but you don't have permission to help them unless they give you permission. You won't hear me teach anyone uh, people come into the room, like our guests here come in, they're going to listen to this and they do whatever they need to do with it, if, if anything at all. So there's no, there's, no, there's no propaganda, there's no advertisement for, oh, this will really work, meditation really works. No, it doesn't. Meditation doesn't work. I think I gave a talk on that once. Meditation doesn't work, not in the way you think it's going to. It works in a way that is, if you know, if the ego gets wind of what's happening, it will stop you from meditating. Ego does not want to be seen. It wants to continue to be the one who knows things, gets places, and attains enlightenment, or or becomes the most peaceful person who's ever lived, or the most uh, powerful person, or anything. Ego wants that kind of credential. And this is Buddha Dharma, awakened truth, awakened truth, without any credentials. There's no, you will not get validated. There's no, they call them valedictorian. There's no, there's no validation to it. If it's validated, then it will go away because it's relative truth. If it's ultimately true, you don't need proof. You are that. You are what you're looking for. So it's not good. Shokabang. It seems like when talking about the three poisons, passion, aggression, and ignorance, it can be easier to see the way that passion and aggression arise. Yeah. How can we respect the way that uh, either oneself or another is relating with ignorance when it's more difficult to see? What is it you want to know? I'm following your question, but I feel like there's some other layer there. What do you want to know? How can we respect ignorance? See it. Don't, don't, don't do anything with it. And ignorance, passion is grasping simply put, and aggression is pushing away or getting rid of, simply put, and ignorance is shutting down. So the very nature of that, of the three poisons, the very nature of that is to ignore, shut down. So it might take a while. The first two you can recognize fairly quickly. 
And when, I, when you see those, do nothing with them. And try to improve. This is not an improvement project. I'm not saying that there aren't teachings that teach in that way. That might be the very thing you need to do. Maybe you need to. But if on this way, this is being presented or taught is improvement is extra. You don't need to do that. Well, didn't answer your question, but you can. Let me take this gentleman off in the back here. Uh, could you elaborate more on awareness and ego? It almost sounds like we're trying to one up the ego. Yeah, that's a, that's ego language right there. So I would say uh, the the situation that will help deal with your very question uh, is a sitting practice of meditation. It'll be up to you. But to sit down, if you hold very still, since the body and mind are not two separate things, they just look separate. And the ego uses that separation to validate him or herself or themselves. It uses that to validate it. That's how you can drive to the store and yet think about what you're what you want to say to your neighbor a few hours from now at the same time. So it's incredibly, there's an incredible, uh, incredible ability to just go in so many different directions. And this uh, validates the self-centeredness by being, being able to even do that. So it's a matter of just continued to sit down and look at the lie, look at the ego. There's no solid being. And that solid being, if there were a solid being, it wouldn't need all the credentials and all of the, the credit or the blame. Ego will also maintain itself through blame or shame. I'm the one who can't get anywhere. I'm the one. I, I'm a terrible person. Ego, ego. Fundamentally, there is no positionality there. More? More? Question? Thank you. Yes, go ahead. This is um, not about what you were talking about, but I, I'm just curious. Now, I like a lot of the, like the chants and texts around here is in Japanese, but I mean, the, the Buddha was Japanese, so why, why is that like? Well, well we like it. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's just cultures. You know, the Buddha lived 2,500 years ago, we, we assume, and then talked in uh, Pali, and then eventually Sanskrit uh, came and started to, the teachings came up in that language, and then we went to China, and then there's all those kinds of, and then, but when Buddhism comes to a particular country, it starts to take up the form of the country or of the, of the culture rather than be uh, just move in with uh, exactly what the Buddha did with those same kind of robes and those same kind. Of, so it just it's uh, it's formless. The teaching is formless, but we need forms. We need forms. This is a uh, this is a there's a Kagyu a Tibetan Buddhist altar over there, a shrine, and there's a Zen uh, Japanese Zen. Altar here with it with a Chinese. This is a Chinese Buddha. That's where it was carved at originally. So all of those things they just they just come together to support the teachings in different ways. And as far as the Japanese, uh, uh, we we chant the Heart Sutra in Japanese, and we chant in the mornings, and we chant the Heart Sutra in uh, in English, uh, Red Pine's translation of that. And so we do some things in English. And, uh, so I'm not sure if I've got to where your question is coming up from okay. sure earlier you said we need to see the truth in our own mind stream is that different than a kind of self-validation no the, the self-validation is the lie you don't need a you don't, you don't need to have a, a good self-esteem i mean you, you could i mean there are ways of doing that where you can function the rest of your life with 
being uh, in better shape than you were, say, when you were born or when you were raised, you can deal with it. There are relative ways to do that. It's just that it doesn't deal with a fundamental situation, but you will run into uh, like a, a steam engine when you die. You don't find out who this is before this body-mind collapses, then who you think this is will continue to show up in the intermediate state and you'll be born again. Is that true? I don't know. I have no proof. I'm looking at it. I don't need proof. If I'm looking at it, I don't, I don't, I don't need proof. But you might need proof. And I would say, well, then get some. My proof is in front of me. It's like, is fire hot? Yes, I have my hand in it 24-7. Go ahead. Sort of bowing. So does the seeing the truth for ourselves function as a kind of proof? Well, yeah, the, the, the journey's over. There's not anything else to see. There's nothing, the only, the only if, if it's this path, with the vows that you receive on this path, the bodhisattva vow, to save all beings, put others before yourself, that takes over. So you continue to live for others. You no longer live for your own benefit. This doesn't make you some kind of weirdo or some kind of saint. What you do? I'm so selfless. No, it doesn't work like that at all. You actually, it actually is without a self. But everyone's without a self. They just don't know it. So you're able to, out of what you, out of your understanding, if people are ready to receive that, you're able to relate to them where they're at. One person you might relate to one way, another person would meet people where they're at in their confusion, not by correcting their confusion. People, people often say to me, just tell me, tell me how I'm deceiving myself, Uncle Sokazan. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's your, what I would do is encourage you to see who you are yourself. And if you see that, that's the, in the Tibetan tradition is called when the, the meeting of the, the mind of the guru or the teacher and the meeting of the mind with the student when those minds are no longer seen as separate anymore. They never were. You might need to meet a true teacher in order to get enough, get the encouragement. You know, the teacher can't do it for you, but have someone encourage you that you can, say, give the benefit of the doubt to, or possibly even trust them. Well, I have a question about the practice. And you were saying how um, the visual consciousness is really separated or in enhances that. Um, so why do we face the wall with our eyes open? Well, you don't want you want to get overloaded. You want to look at a Coney Island of the mind, you don't want to look at a three-ring circus. You don't want to look at a football game. There's too much happening. But on the wall, the visual dynamic of consciousness, the visual consciousness, the eye, the organ, uh, the, the consciousness that, that works with that kind of a situation, and the wall itself. So that is open. You're seeing the wall. You're seeing the space between your eyeballs and the wall, uh, the, the texture of the wall, the, maybe a crack in the wall. Or it could be your refrigerator, it could be a closet door. It could be a, a, a it could be looking at a tree. Something where nothing is moving there, but the visual consciousness is still on receive, along with hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. Think even thinking. More? In that same area if you have it. So it's in my understanding you to say it's about keeping it open but not too busy, the eyes. So you set up a situation of sitting still, not maintaining, but, but endeavoring to sit still, but no macho stuff. 
No forcing yourself. If your legs hurt, move. If you fall asleep, go to bed. I try to necessarily stay awake, other than a little bit. If you doze off a little bit, that's fine. But if it, if it keeps happening, go to bed, take a nap, but sleep for 20 minutes. Yeah. We'll fight with that. Fight with nothing. No more war. That's the practice. The, the Japanese uh, um, male-dominated uh, traditions in ancient times uh, tried to do a lot of controlling because they're misunderstanding of discipline. Not going to do that. Discipline needs to come out of each person as understanding the nature of form, which that form is fulfill, watch the movement in the mind stream, in the light stream, uh, in the down the hall, the noises from down the hall, include, 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 give everything your attention. More. If there's a thought or belief that we just assume is true and we don't, we don't even have the inkling to look at that. Um, how can we begin to see that that is a lie? Okay. Just that you're able to ask that question tells me you have plenty of inklings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> inklings. Inklings. Go ahead. <laughs> That's, that's right where you start, just that you have an idea. Then, uh, rather than go to that directly and try to prove it a lie or something like that, just wait for it to come up. It will show up, and it'll show up in your, your meditation mind stream. It'll show up in your life stream and walking from the kitchen to the, the living room or walking out on the porch going for a walk. It'll start to show up. You'll get flashes of that because the mind is being trained by doing sitting practice of meditation to be a receiver rather than a producer. We need to produce. We need to reach for something. We need to make food. We need to put on our clothes. We need to do laundry. So we're producing. We need to interact with others and have conversations. But the receiving part is what is important. Colors, shapes, sounds, smells, without abandoning the color for what it is. It's a it's red, and it's a red shirt. That's the beginning of elaboration and the beginning of ignorance. So we start naming in order to get some kind of control over our lives more. It just seems like there are, it looks like I have those areas, but I don't know what they are. No, so you're, you're having some sense of it. And I would just say, just continue. Get yourself to the wall, practice holding very still and watch the movement. This trains you to see the movement, not only watching the wall, not much is going to happen. It might be interesting, it might not be, but that's where you sharpen the blade. So you go back out to chop vegetables. In other words, think about your everyday life. Uh, you have a sharp blade rather than a dull blade. So your, your thinking process is much more clear. You're more able, you're more sensitive to when something comes up that that is you're giving something uh, some kind of a validation when you haven't really looked at it closely. But it just feels safer to just believe that. The ego is looking for safety, protection, solidarity, advancement protection basically paranoid and so it'll get it from wherever it can uh, the, the wisdom mind is that aspect of your consciousness that wants the truth and it's not about to settle for anything it's a question from isaac leon isaac leon 
How can I begin to get past my fascination and expectations of you? <laughs> Isaac, stop it. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. They'll go away. <laughs> Keep listening. You, everything gets worn out. So. Don't be concerned. You don't have to get rid of anything. Just, just see that it, what it is is actually untrue. It's untrue. Gentleman back in the back, get your hand up. Uh, I wanted to ask, when you said when we come to receiver and we just let the shapes and colors come in, yes. we put a label on it like a red shirt. Is that yeah. a form of grasping? Yeah, it's a, it's a form of, of active ignoring. But you don't have to stop that. This is, this is important. You don't have to stop doing it. Just be aware that when you see something, you, you jump from the initial reception of whatever that is in, in any of the sense fields, including the mind, to what it means. Uh, rather, so we actually abandon the immediacy of what is arising in the mind stream for what it means. So it's a form of ignorance, a form of grasping, actually. So thank you. Young lady in the front. Um, I'm wondering uh, what exactly the concept of enlightenment is, or what it means. What it is, and what? And what it looks like, if it does. It's it's a uh, it's ordinary. There's not much. Nothing special is going on, and uh, there's no more. There's no more. War, there's no more picking and choosing with anything. No more preferences for anything. This doesn't mean that you might look at uh, a cheesecake and uh, and uh, say the other one, Danielle. Cheesecake and what's the other one? Ice cream. Ice cream. And want one more than, and then, you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to, you know, you're, you're not like some kind of a dodo bird. You know, you actually like ice cream. And that's, and so you eat ice cream with your wife's permission. <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting about it is that there's no, the, the big uh, kind of surge of, a fear about being wrong or, or right and wrong thing it just has gone to the wayside because you see that anything that says right anything that says wrong is has an incredible labyrinth of causes and conditions underneath it that are, that are unexplainable it's just like the our society tends to jump to conclusions and because we want control and we want relative safety so if someone commits a crime instead of helping that person with some kind of understanding instead we, we lock them up Someone 14, I met someone doing prison work over the years, going into prisons to teach meditation. I met someone who still heartbreaking when I think about it. He had been in, uh, in prison for close to 20 years and he was in his 40s, I think. And he had, you know, his family was not very strong. So he found a family in a gang and they robbed a party store. He got involved in that and someone got killed there. He didn't kill them, but went to prison. And so rather than working with that person, as it was where they were, uh, instead we shut it down, put them in a box, and then make money from taxing people to take care of people who are locked up for uh, all that time. Heartbreaking to look at, but the causes and conditions that are behind that are just unsearchable. So, what you see, you just see what this is. Uh, as far as a enlightenment, you just you just no longer war with anything, no longer promoting anything. Well, it might look like I'm promoting, but it's, uh, I get permission to do this uh, from people. You, 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 if nobody showed up, uh, 
I would not promote this. I would, I would, uh, I don't know what I would do. I would uh, stay home. I would watch Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> Probably quite a bit. Um, I don't know. More about that. You have more questions? Uh, did I get close to what you're looking for? Yeah, I, I have an answer. Very good. Gentleman right here. Um, so earlier you said that um, everyone is without self. So um, I know, you know, I've heard that there's a Buddhist belief in rebirth. So if there is no eternal self, what is it that continues on? after like this body dies and how does karma what does karma like come back to i'll see if i can help you with that okay so if you believe you are somebody then that's what get, gets reborn the the, the, you, the body mind the, the construct that holds this whole thing together as me and my stuff and my ideas of what i'm doing what i'm not doing when that dies that being is still there just doesn't have a body so then, then the karma will take you, and this is somewhat speculation, I don't know this for a fact, but probably into another lifetime to come back for a lesson number 54 or 55. We come back around and keep, we keep coming into this schoolroom over and over and over and over again until we see our true nature, which is not separate from anyone, and is a fundamentally uh, full of wisdom and compassion. So the other way is someone who sees what this is, they may come back, they may not. If they've received a vow, uh, the Bodhisattva vow to not leave samsara, not leave the world until all beings are saved, they'll be back as a, as a, as a Dharma teacher. They'll show up. They might, they might not show up as that right away because all the karma that they've had to deal with still will show up with them. Just because you've understood your true nature doesn't mean that your karma that got you into this realm, the human realm, is going to go away. You may still have um, heart disease. You may still have a, uh, an ordinary disposition. But you see the truth much different than assuming or blaming anyone else for how you feel or any situation. More? Thank you. Other questions? Any questions on uh, Zoom? Kevin. Kevin Bowing. Oftentimes I feel like I have intuition or we we hear the expression like trust your gut does the awakened mind have intuition bowing yes but it's not separate there's no intuitor there's no one there having the intuition the intuition is self-existing it, it may show up it may not you can't make it happen you can't just rely on your intuition and you could but it's it's more like nothing's going on. This doesn't mean that if you have a headache that somehow uh, you get to be free of the of the, the pain of a headache. Now, there's still nerve endings. You're still going to have a headache. More, Kevin? Uh, not about that bowing, but I was struck by what you said just now about rebirth, and I'm wondering. Is there some sort of galvanizing force in self-centeredness or narcissism that keeps a collection of neuroses together, bowing? I'll give you one word, fear. Fear the belief that there's a, the consciousness is so adept 
at, at finding its own form. And that, that form that it finds may be a living being that is real, that is having a life, that is, uh, was uh, ambushed by, by indigenous people in the, uh, in the 17th century and died. And that being is, comes back, comes back, comes back. They might not come back as, a, uh, as any kind of memory of that. So it's basically fear of otherness, fear of that there's something else that's going to get them, paranoia, something else that can help them. What's the, it's probably not a paranoia. What kind of noia is that? I want it, noia. <laughs> so we, we, we want this, but we don't want that. We want a lot of this, but we don't want that. And so we operate out of passion, aggression, and that is subsidized by ignorance. So we, we ignore the fundamental truth of who we are. That we are not separate from anything, anywhere, never have been, never will be. The never word is used to address the illusion of time, because even that is untrue. Yu Hong. Yu Hong Baoying, could you say more about how to observe our discomfort while we are lying? Baoying. I just think it's repetition just continue to return. It's, it, it's not going to particularly feel like progress because it's, it's just, we see it and it's, we see that it's a, that, it, that we see that we believe it. And then we, and then we see that it's, it's untrustworthy. Something about that is untrustworthy. So it's a matter of just continue to return and to receive. The important thing to do is to receive, not to produce, receive what's coming to you. Receive this incredible world that you've been dropped downloaded into as a human form without without even asking for it. Just suddenly you're born and you have a mother and a father, hopefully, and they raise you and they teach you this and teach you that and based on their uh, wisdom or their ignorance. They do the best they can with what they understand. So just, just continue to return to it. Your question is valid. And uh, the response I'm saying is continue to return to the wall, return to the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. Uh, if you um, if you need that form, not here to promote it, but return to the teacher, what is being taught in the community without any one of those three, it's weak. It's much, much harder to realize your true nature. Buddhism is just a, a path. It's not a, you can realize this without Buddhism. It's just much more difficult without some kind of really solid, solid structure to actually do it with. Otherwise, we get we get um, uh, we get enraptured by otherness, by the the, the the promise of some kind of wonderful feeling. While we'll, we'll feel so enlightened, or so we'll have so much compassion for others. This is a this a, compassion for others is reinforces the otherness, the separation. True compassion is, there's no feelings there. I'm not saying feelings might not arise, but the, the feelings that arise for compassion for all beings are so intense, they probably blow the top of your head off. You may not want that. A question from Jethro in the UK. Jethro. Anytime a person sits down informally out in the world and their mind is unreceived, rather than actively engaged with thoughts. Are they effectively meditating? Doesn't matter. If they're doing that, then 
probably, but it's not a credential. They're just, just receiving very ordinary. Question from Shane in Virginia. Shane, what the hell have you been up to? <laughs> when you changed up your diet, did an awakening occur for you or perhaps a paradigm shift? No. Further questions? Go ahead. What are we receiving from the teacher, if not the truth? I think it's different with each person. Each person's uh, uh, dedication, devotion, or or respect, or receiving from the teacher is just going to show up so many different ways, depending on the karma that even brought you in the first place. I'm not sure if I'm hitting on what you're asking about, but you can rephrase it or want to. Excuse me, I'm just going to ask Chopin this question. Um, <laughs> how, does the, how does relating to the teacher help us to see the truth? You're getting help from Shoko? You poor monks. Go ahead. How does relating to the teacher help us to see the truth for ourselves? The teacher functions as a mirror. The teacher isn't trying to mirror you. It's just that they, they don't see they don't see otherness anymore in the same way that the, the confused person does. So they don't see other beings. They see other aspects of themselves would be a relative way of saying it. So it's like it's like every, everywhere you look, you don't see someone else. You see the you see the, the fundamental nature of everything, which is not separate. Although it's operating separate, just like these fingers are separate. But if you look at what they are, it's not a bundle of fingers; it's hand. So it's just a simple image or metaphor for it. Metaphor for metaphor for it. Go ahead. Me, you don't have any more to that question. It's so disappointing. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> bowing. Um, yes. The way you're talking about the red shirt being a kind of ignorance is different than how I come in thinking about ignorance where I'm just not seeing anything. So if mm -hmm. something's showing up and something's being ignored still, yes. how what's being ignored? You're ignoring what it is because the, the second level of it is uh, it's a shirt. The first level of it, it's red. So it's before you name it, before you, whatever shows up, this is a very simple way of saying it, that before you give it any name at all, it's, it's what it fundamentally is. And what it fundamentally is, it's not something else. It's empty of otherness. This is a, the Buddhist teaching of emptiness is empty of self. There's no solid self here and empty of other. There, there's no separate being. Certainly looks like it. And when you begin to realize that the illusion of otherness gets stronger. It's stronger because you, you, you were ignoring uh, the, 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 uh, the fundamental uh, dynamic that it's not something else. So therefore the otherness, the illusion of otherness has free reign. It gets to be incredibly separate. So you see that it's not only a, a little bit of a lie, it's an incredible lie. And you enjoy yourself. More? Sure, Valley. You often teach that we don't have to get rid of anything just to see it. So if, I do. If 
foreseeing the cover-up or the ignorance um, is that different than seeing what it is before we cover it up the cover-up happens very quickly so it's not like we speculate and say this is pretty scary i don't think i want to look at that because that looks too much like something that i don't really like and then i have to acknowledge that i'm not separate from that thing i don't really like so it doesn't go through that kind of chain of command it's just it's just we cover it up instantly it's something shows up and it's, it's something is right there to protect us it's called a trunk worm we call it a cocoon we build a cocoon around ourselves which gives us relative safety our ideas our opinions our our conclusions our judgments our prejudice we just, we just seal ourselves into that it's pretty good we're not really threatened by anything, particularly. Yeah. Sure. So if we continue to see how we're covering up, do we eventually um, just see what it is? Yeah. We'll guarantee. But, but that's, that's where you're headed if you're practicing this path. This is a path of awakening. What do you awaken to? Nothing else. You awaken to... The nature of things looking like they're so diverse, sometimes called the 10,000 things. That's kind of an understatement. Just everything everywhere is scattered everywhere, doing its own thing. You see that that's not separate anymore. Uh, it never, never was separate. But now you're, you're actually witnessing that, this with your, with your entire, the entirety of your physical being, spiritual being, however you want to say it. Go ahead. So when we see what something is, at that point, has the cover-up stopped? <clears throat> Could be, uh, but not necessarily. You might just see the cover-up. You might see through the cover-up. Eventually, the cover-up runs out of nourishment because it gets its nourishment. The cover-up, the delusion, the confusion, the, the ign ignoring aspects of our mind, like, I don't want to ignore that, that situation, uh, it, it starts to break down. You start to see through it but for a while you might see the truth and still have to deal with a lot of the, the feeling of covering things up and and that unless you're clear about it that that's going to look like the ego you need to get rid of and so it's very difficult to to be there to really see clearly that nothing is separate and still have these cover-ups show up and these uh, uh these knee-jerk feeling of wanting to stop something wanting to start something wanting to be upset with something Follow me one but question. What sure bowing um, how how do we work with um if we're seeing that we're covering up um the credential that can come off of that, that at least I'm seeing the cover up. Yeah, the at least part is is uh, suspicious. Well at least at least I'm that, that's that's a you might as well be giving a, a ego sugar sandwich. You ever had one of those? <laughs> not very good unless there's mustard involved. <laughs> put mustard on and put sugar on top. You got to be about twelve years old to do that. <laughs> but <laughs> what was your question? Um. How, how do we work with the credential that can come up with seeing the cover up? Just, just see all that. See, there's a credential. 
see that there's a cover up, see that you're getting a credential for at least I'm seeing it and just, just see it, just, uh, just be there to, just to witness that without doing anything with it. Take nobody to court. There's no, that whole system is a very, very primitive, very disrespectful to the fundamental nature of human beings, let alone other beings, let alone aliens. That's why they don't have anything to do with us. They, they don't want to be interact with a race that kills its own kind. We don't do that. How do I know? I don't know. More? Mondo. Mondo Bali. How does, um, when uh, whatever shows up is our mind, how is that more, be more particular and more other? Um, how oh, can it be? <clears throat> it's just we just separate it into that. I'm having thoughts about this or thoughts about that instead of just having the thoughts. So we, we separate out. Your style is to actually have that and then separate it out. Everyone has their own version of that. Each person does this in a different way. That's why that kind of question comes up. You know? You were saying that um, when we begin to start seeing what this is, otherness will be more distinct. It can be. So, how can, how can it, everything that shows up is our mind, how can otherness be more distinct? It just does. It's more distinct. The illusion of otherness is stronger. It's like going to a, for a while, you were, you were just thinking that otherness was true. And then you've begun to realize what this is. And you realize that everything is, is like a big fun house with mirrors and, and scary things. That stuff gets stronger because you're no longer particularly afraid of it. So then you're, you're open. You're, your consciousness is no longer the, the cocoon nature of the consciousness is starting to break down and everything's starting to come in. You're starting to have other people's thoughts. Just a way of saying it. They're not actually other people's thoughts, but there are thoughts that you've not been willing to have because of your fear of being wrong or your fear of being not looking good, or not just you, but anyone. When, when this, uh, when this uh, whole contraption called the ego or the self is seen through, then the, the, the mind stream is open to everything. Anything can happen, and you don't, you're not threatened by that. Like I've sometimes said, uh, when people talk about their feelings and so on, how much difficulty they're having, I say, well, how do you think I feel? I didn't get rid of anything. I'm still as angry as I was when I was 10. It's just there's no one, no being who's angry anymore. So the anger might come up and go through this mind stream uh, 24 hours ago or 24 minutes ago, but it can't find someone who's angry because that has been seen through. So, but the anger is dependently risen. And you, you, if you fight with dependent origination, pratitya samutpada is a Sanskrit. You fight with that, you will you can say it this way, you'll lose. You won't lose particularly. You may win for a little bit, but you'll be tied into that rotation of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, cause and effect, life and death. That's the big one, big contrast, thinking those are two different things. And they are not separate from each other. You can't have life without death. You can't have death without life. Can't have uh, hot without cold and all that. Yeah. How does uh, the teacher mirroring us support us? How can we see that? That that's that would be individual. How that would happen in each person. Mm -hmm. 
go deeper into that, but it has to be a more specific question other than just, how does this happen? Go deeper into that, if you can. How does a teacher near us? Teacher is not separate from you, just looks like it. So therefore, they can't help but mirror you. The teacher isn't necessarily looking at you and thinking, hmm, she seems to be confused about this, so I will show up this way and help her see that. That's more the relative approach. I'm not saying that isn't workable in some way. That can happen in, in psychology. Those kinds of approaches happen that way. Well, idea of transference, which we don't need to go into that here. I don't know anything about it other than I know I've heard about it or read about it. The whole identity situation. So there's some of that happening there, but but the deep understanding of it is there isn't actually an identity that has uh, that is real. So therefore, when the teacher meets someone, true teacher, a teacher who teaches out of what he or she or they see or experience or receive, they're receiving and receiving. This old man is producing right now based on receiving the question, and what I'm producing is to say that. They're not separate from you, so therefore they can't help but mirror back who you are. You've been watching this for quite a while, as everyone else has here who is a student of mine, especially close students for years. You might not think you're being, might not think I'm doing enough. This often happens. Uh, well, it isn't. I even had someone say once years ago, you're helping everybody else, you're not helping me. Maybe you remember that, maybe you don't. It's been years ago. And I said, just, she was yelling at me in the, in the hojo in the interview room. You know, I felt sad for her, but I, I said, well, go away. I'm not helping you, why, why be here? So I said, go away for a year and then come back and we'll talk some more. But for a while, go away. But she never came back. Is that wrong? No, not wrong at all. Saved me a lot of time, saved her a lot of time. Be here, but yes. Shogabine, when the student is separating things into clarity and confusion, yes, is the teacher mirroring something that is other than or, or different than? I'm not following. I'm not following. What is it you want to know? Does the teacher mirror anything other than wisdom? The teacher mirrors confusion. How would the teacher mirror wisdom? Wisdom isn't separate. We're using relative terms to talk about an ultimate understanding. But you have to, you, there, there's no, there are no, is no, is are, is that correct around? Is no, there is no, there are no. What would you say? What's next? <laughs> Wise guy. <laughs> so um, the teacher's not deliberately doing anything. So that whatever the confusion comes this way, the teacher may may even aggressively come back and say something to you. May not do anything. It seems like if I'm interacting with somebody that's also not clear, there's a mirror. That's wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you know they're not clear? I don't. Why do you say that? As an example. You can't say that as an example without feeling that, that someone else is not clear. 
But eventually, so what happens? Eventually, everything becomes your teacher. The teacher introduces you to the to your world, as my teachers did to me many years ago, and you begin to see there isn't anything else. It's empty of other. Therefore, everything that occurs, if you become a student, one hundred percent of the time, all the time, always a student, always on receive, produce as little as possible, talk as little as possible, and everything is your teacher. Everything will teach you. Oh. Shogabani, so when it seems like there's a contrast with the teacher um, and how they are mirroring you, is that projection? Is up to you? Yes or no? It seems like there's some difference in how you mirror me than how I see somebody else mirroring me. Is somebody mirroring you? Somebody's got my job? <laughs> Am I the main mirror? MM. 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 Main mirror. Who else is mirroring you? You're suspicious about the mirror? Say Say what? What you're about to say? What is that? What, what is that? Apparent, what is that seeming difference? That Project, it's a projection. There is no difference. Everything is a teaching. Everything. Every Sangha member, every, everybody in the community is teaching. They may not be doing it deliberately, but they're doing it just by functioning as a as a, it could be an enlightened being, or it could be a confused being. It could be any kind of being, but everything is a teaching. You have to be on receive. You have to be a student. If you're not a student. You, you flip out of that into somebody who knows more than others, knows more than me, knows more than anyone. It's not that there couldn't be something correct there. Relatively, of course. Of course, you're talking to somebody who is giving you a hard time because of their apparent confusion. But it's a teaching for you. Specifically, you, or I mean, my my Buddha. <laughs> Shokabang. So, when there is that kind of a projection going on, how can we yes. receive? How can we move in more into to receiving what's actually there? Just it's just practicing, just no, noticing, seeing that you're. You're, you're jumping to or moving into conclusions about what's there instead of actually seeing what it is. You're, you're, you're leaving uh, the color red for the name red and for the red shirt and for the who's wearing it and why, why that shirt, that red has uh, too much blue in it, which makes it approach purple. Uh, just a labyrinth of things like that go through instantaneously in our mind. Anything to keep us from seeing what that is and what is it? It's a mirror. Everywhere. It's a mirror. And this mirror is reflecting you know, who you are, what this is. If you're confused, that's what it's going to mirror back to you. And if, you're, if, you are, if you see what this is, then you're awake. You don't see anything else. You don't see otherness. The whole world is empty of otherness. Not a conclusion. It's just a, it's just a, a relative description of 
Nothing else. Let me see, let me see if there's any on Zoom. Wulong Bowing. Wulong, go ahead. How do I serve as a mirror when uh, when I'm with a loved one who has who believes I'm the cause of their suffering and or joy? Yeah. Okay. Here it comes. You ready? Wulong. Ready? Shut up. How's <laughs> that? Don't talk. Mirrors don't talk. Don't talk. Unless you're unless you're an awakened being, of which which I know you are, but you don't know about that yet. Unless you've realized your true nature, then don't talk. And if you realize your true nature, you'll always say the appropriate thing. When I say appropriate, you'll say something that is in tune with dependent origination and also will be fundamentally helpful to that person. So the best thing that you can do as a practice is don't talk. Less is better. As I sometimes say, make them drag it out of you. The other person that you're dealing with uh, have these uh, the polarities that show up there. Less is better. Don't correct anybody. Even though you're seeing that they're confused and they're, they're misunderstanding you, please don't explain. It's, it, if it gets into a conversation, then uh, craziness is going to win. You know, just if you have a conversation about it, it just get, gets all wound up in knots, depending on the karma. You've been ignoring the karma that the other person has been ignoring. Then that karma, those that crazy passion, aggression, and ignorance gets together and comes to some kind of a re resolution that may be a resolution, but it's relative. So what does that mean? It's coming back. It's relative, so it, it, it can't. Uh, it may go away for a while, but its very nature is circular. It will come back again. Then you'll come back and sort it out again, and then it'll come back again. The fundamental uh, misunderstanding is mistaken identity, that there is a person by the name of Wulong. That there actually, Wulong is there. Wulong, black dragon, is there. But unreal. Wulong bowing, is it a misunderstanding um, for me, the observation of them believing that I am causing their suffering? Yes, believing anything, let's start with that. But believing you, you don't have that much power to cause somebody's suffering. You're not doing that. I'm not saying you couldn't hit them with a, a club or something and cause them suffering, but even that is still dependently arisen. There's still the club, there's still your hand, there's still the, the energy behind that of, of uh, hatred or revenge or something like that. It's dependently arisen. There's no solid being any, anywhere. The whole society that we're in, the court system and everything, is always fixated on finding out, there, finding a culprit. It's called relative truth, and it's the mundane world. This is a spiritual path. What does that mean? You transcend this world without your body particularly going away. When you die, you will transcend it in a sense because you no longer have a body. And so you're going to kind of catch on to, oh, hmm, I guess I must have misunderstood that 70 years I was alive. I guess I must have misunderstood that. So then you go back into the hopper again and show up 15 years later. So what I'm saying in your situation is there's a relative blame. Sure, there's that, but just, just, just watch that happen. Watch where you what something you say triggers something they haven't uh, explored. 
and therefore they think that you're dumping emotions into them when it's actually their emotions, not yours. So give it the benefit of the doubt. Give it a little bit of time. Don't respond too quickly. This doesn't mean think about what you're going to say. This means just sit there and receive. If you're thinking about what you're going to say, this is a, this is a circularity. Why because? Why because? Why because? But if you just receive that person's presence, how they look, not not their red shirt and it's a color red and it and it, it's this kind of red or it needs to be it doesn't fit very well in all the other uh, circularity that goes around. Just receive their presence without any analysis, any particular thoughts about it. And then if you need to respond, respond. Respond out of the space. Trust the space in which things occur, not the things. The things are lies. Thoughts are lies. Emotions are lies. If you if you assume otherwise, you'll it'll be difficult. Train your mind. Look at the wall a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. When the otherness is seen through, does does the illusion of otherness still show up? You can, but it's an illusion. So then you're, you're looking at an illusion. You know it's an illusion, but you're a human form. You're still here. You still eat wicker oats. Well, maybe not. Maybe you eat something else, but you're still functioning. You still have to go to the can. You still go for a walk. You still scratch your head. You're still functioning, but it's, it's an illusion. It's unreal. You can be intensely take on that intense reality without being doesn't need to live up to some kind of illusory appearance. Like uh, if you take a lysergic acid, diethylamide 25, that's the real uh, sample or example of an illusion. But it's not the illusion. This is the illusion. And so like Tonker Rinpoche said, when someone, he asked someone about LSD, or she, uh, someone asked him about it, he says it's super samsara. So it's this world magnified. You don't need that. That's, that's a super unreal. So that actually gives you a little bit of a taste of how unreal this one is. Just like the dream you have at night uh, is believable until you wake up. And then you see that this is unreal. This is the one you need to awake, awaken from. Not LSD, not, uh, not ecstasy, not dream at night. This one, this is the dream. It's unreal. You can awaken from it. Right, right while you're in the middle of it. Are we done? I'm bowing. I have two questions, if you don't mind. I don't mind. Go ahead. I'm bowing. How to look at the intention of our lives? So the intention uh, is a, a different way. The, the way I've talked about it, the intention in the mundane path or everyday life is I intend something and I want a result. I intend something and I want a result. I'm going to do this to get that. I'm going to do this to get that. I'm going to study, study, study to get a PhD. I'm going to, and not wrong, do all of that you want to do, but that is a, a relative path of cause and effect. The mundane path is to intend to see the truth. The other way that we use in this uh, uh, the Bodhisattva path, if you receive precepts, then your intention is to save all beings, put others before yourself which is impossible to do because we're so self-centered 
very hard to put others before ourselves, especially when that person is mistreating you. How are you going to do that? You know, society will tell you, don't take that. Or, do this about it, do that. Just by intention, the intention to see it in your situation. You have a, your two children, your husband, your in-laws, you're in a particular situation there, and you're doing it. You, you study the Dharma. Um, you talk to me every now and then. You ask questions. And I'm saying, just continue. Return to the cushion. Return to the teacher, the teaching, and the community. See, those three seem to be very necessary. Sometimes the community part is overlooked. Uh, therefore, we have a really strong community here. A lot of emphasis on that. Further question, Yuhan? Uh, Fine. Now this one. Uh, actually, uh, this this one too. How to look at the intention of other others' lies if I know they're lying? Um, yeah, just just receive them. If they're, if they're not, it may not be their. You could say lifetime to be on a path, on a spiritual path. Maybe their lifetime to just fulfill some kind of a karmic situation that's going on for them. So respect people's confusion. If you respect their confusion, then you start to see their enlightenment. You begin to see their enlightened nature shining right through all that confusion. So nobody's condemned to anything. But it may be a long, longer uh, turn around the mountain. So respect their confusion. That doesn't mean you believe them or you let them get away with the... Um, the Using you or something like that. Be respectful of people's confusion rather than try to correct them or change them or get them to meditate. Please don't re recommend anybody meditate. It's their business. If they hear about it, um, that's good enough. Fine. Uh, back to the mirror question. Yes. How how do others mirror us? What we see is our project, projection, perception. Yes. From our own identity. How do they do that? Yeah. How does that work? You said that. Um, you mentioned that what we see is our own projection. Can yes. others mirror us? How does that work? Fine. Very simply, like just like I said, the mirror quality is the mirror is nothing. It's nothing, just a, a function, and so something comes in front of it and it's reflected back. So we, we can get into some kind of psychological labyrinth about how that's happening with each person, but uh, it seems to be uh, more helpful to just keep it very simple and know that anything that is happening is functioning as a mirror or as a teacher. Once you've met the true teacher, then that teacher will help you see everything as a teacher. So you, so your self-centeredness and so on begins to uh, be, come into, um, uh, begins to show up as a dynamic that is unreal. You don't have to get rid of something that's unreal. You don't have to get rid of your ego. Just be aware of your self-centeredness. And the, the person that you're, in relationship with, or, or whatever it may be, your neighbors, your co-workers, whatever it may be, just, just be respectful of their confusion rather than doing something with it. Um, the other word I use is don't meddle. 
Don't meddle with anyone. Don't even meddle with your own mind. Look at the mind rather than try to do something with it based on your presumptions, your, pre your preconceptions, or anything. Just receive. Just sit down and be genuine. Be the confusion you're trying to get rid of so you can see what it is deeply and see that the confusion itself uh, and the apparent or, or uh, a conditioned cause of the confusion is unreal. It's dependently risen. It will come and go. Your true nature uh, can't appear because it's never disappeared. It's always been here. You ignore it. You ignore your Buddha nature, awakened nature. This is what the Buddha came to tell us about 2,500 years ago. And other teachers and other lineages, there's, there, every now and then someone shows up in different areas that, that it looks like they're very clear about the nature of the world and of reality without particularly being Buddhist, maybe Christian. Meister Eckhart, a 13th century uh, saint, I would call him a saint, who was probably murdered by the church. But he was outrageous. He said, if God went that way, and truth went that way, I could let go of God, which is a little bit extra, let go of God and follow the truth. That's all this is, it's truth, it's the truth. There's no proof of it. You need proof? Probably this is not a good approach for you to go. You should do something else. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Yuhan. It will close. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Jiyo san The three worlds, all Buddhas, all Venerable Ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddha's Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.